Welcome to CIFAR's Point 2 LNE Nation podcast. On today's episode, Rob Sibba and Pam Debata will discuss the recent amendments made to the New York City Fair Chance Act, the nuances of the timing requirements, and considerations employers need to contemplate relating to a bifurcated background check process. Enjoy! Today, we're here to discuss one of the most restrictive and complex laws in the country that regulate when and how employers can perform criminal background checks on their job applicants and employees. We're talking about the New York City Fair Chance Act, and I'm here with my partner, Pam Devada, who leads our background screening litigation and compliance team at SciFarth. Hi, Pam. How are you today? I'm great, Rob. Happy to be here to talk about this very challenging law that employers are dealing with. Perfect. Perfect. So as we know, the law was passed in about 2015 and amended very recently in July 2021, adding a host of restrictions and regulations. Pam, what have we seen with some of the regulations and restrictions that were passed recently? Yeah, you know, what's happening here in New York City is really a sea change of the law. You know, the law has been around, as you said, for a number of years, but The commission's interpretation now is codified with these new changes and new FAQs that they've been put out. You know, certainly as we've been dealing with the last couple of years, employers have have seen, you know, what has been deemed as sort of the great resignation, staffing shortages, really competition to get good talent in the door quickly and to both recruit and then retain that quality talent over time. What this law has done, though, is really made it very challenging for employers who are in New York City to do that. And so the big crux of the law is really a restriction on when an employer can ask about, can mention, can consider, and can even get information on a background check relating to criminal history in employment. And they've really made this very, very challenging for employers who have nationwide operations, for example, to have a totally different separate process for their background screening process in New York City. So that's actually interesting because as we've seen over the I guess the last 10 years even, a lot of the so-called ban the box laws develop, they've all taken divergent approaches to how they handle this. But what seems to be happening in New York City is that the timing of the background check is critical. So as, as you mentioned, there would be no reference, no mention of any background check on any job applications, job postings, job ads, interview process up until a certain point, up until a conditional offer of employment. So You know, to your point, one of the things that's really interesting about this is that New York City seems to be the first jurisdiction to really explicitly codify the fact that they want a two-part bifurcated background check. That's right. We've long since known, you know, obviously in New York City and then also in Los Angeles, that they are committed to fair chance. And so one of the things that we've seen for a long time is the fact that when an employer is evaluating criminal history, regardless of where it comes from, whether it's on a background check or however they would find out about it, that they have to evaluate that on a case-by-case individualized assessment basis. And they're very specific factors that they need to look at both in New York City, for example, and in L.A., those are the two most rigorous. There's many, many other states that have similar individualized assessment requirements, but New York City and LA have very specific forms that need to be filled out with specific factors and be presented to the applicant. So we, we've known that for a while, but you're exactly right in, in this sort of new codification 
of the amendments, the commission in New York has made clear that no mention of criminal history can be made at any time prior to a conditional offer. That might sound pretty basic and it might be, you know, what what is this much ado about nothing, right? We've always known that it has to be after conditional offer. But the problem is they really have changed the definition of what conditional offer is. So before, you know, you and I sitting here today would say, all right, well, somebody gets an offer of employment and it's conditioned upon successful completion of a background check, for example. And really what the commission has done is they have changed the definition or their interpretation of conditional offer to mean a offer that is conditioned solely on criminal history. And so everything else that an employer might believe could be determinative of whether or not somebody is going to have the job, for example, other checks like drug or alcohol checks or reference checks, employment verification, education verification, other types of either internal or external screening all has to be done prior to a conditional offer of employment that is solely conditioned on successful completion of criminal history or criminal background. You're running two background checks. You're really running two background checks at that point because you're running everything non-criminal, as you said, all the education, all the all the other screening that you're doing, social security traces prior to the conditional offer, effectively, that's two background checks, two reports, two different stages where, where you're doing that. Isn't that right? I think that is right. And, you know, the commission has basically opined that you don't need to have two checks. You can just have sort of one set of background screening forms, for example, and then, you know, your background screening provider can sort of hold off this criminal history in abeyance. But in practicality, it really is going to be challenging to do so. The reason why is because, you know, you've got the New York Fair Chance Act, but employers who are using criminal history and employment also have to follow um, many other laws. So they have to follow, for example, the Federal Fair Credit Reporting Act if they're going to be getting a background check from a third-party consumer reporting agency. There's been a ton of litigation over the last seven years or so, starting in really about 2015, on the issue of whether or not a disclosure under the Fair Credit Reporting Act is standalone and separate and or whether it has extraneous information. It also has to be clear and conspicuous based on the interpretation, both in the statute and by certain courts of appeals. So the issue is, if an employer is going to get a background check, they're going to really need to make sure that they understand the requirements of the Federal Fair Credit Reporting Act with their disclosure forms, clear and conspicuous. And if they say something like a consumer report and they don't mention criminal history, arguably that may or may not meet the clear and conspicuous definition. So it really is going to be problematic, we think, based even on what the commission has, you know, the commission's position that you can just have one set of forms, I think is likely going to create challenges for employers under the Federal Fair Credit Reporting Act. And it sounds like every employer that's facing this is going to have to assess exactly what they're doing when they're doing it and whether they want to use two sets of forms, one set of forms or or whatever may be applicable. So that's, that's really interesting. You know, but one of the other things that I hear about often from from companies and from employers is that there's a lot of pressure, especially right now, to get employees through the process, to get them onboarded, to get them into, you know, into the seats very quickly. And this creates an extra step. It's also, as I think you mentioned before, very problematic for employers to have multi-jurisdictional operations. 
it sounds to be a hindrance to the ability to use one set of forms across your entire platform. Now you have to either have a carve out for New York because of this two-step process or not. And I've also heard a lot of feedback about the potential confusion to applicants. I mean, you apply for a job. Now we're having one background check, two background checks. How many more background checks are we having? Am I getting hired? Am I not getting hired? How have you seen this play out? Yeah, it's very challenging both for employers and for applicants, right? It it sets up for a not so great candidate experience, if you will, because, you know, there's a lot of pressure to get people in the door. So if, if you're an employer and you have that candidate who you want to move to the next step, it's basically like, well, I can't give you an offer yet, even though I want to give you an offer so that I can make sure you understand that you are our main candidate, because I can't give this offer to you unless and until all of these other screening have been done. So what some employers are doing is they are either doing screenings internally, which is very challenging because obviously the reason you use a third-party background check company is for their expertise and their efficiency because that's what they do. So but what you're saying is they're running their non-criminal searches, their employment verifications and such. You're not implying that they're doing criminal searches internally. Yeah, I think that's generally right. So either they're taking hmm. references, for example, in-house Or in some circumstances, we've seen employers in certain industries choosing not to run certain checks internally or externally. Um, And for example, only running criminal history checks, which of course presents its own host of additional problems and issues as well. That's extremely interesting, but that's kind of, I don't want to say a workaround, but that is a solution to having a two-step process. If you're not going to run a formal background check for somebody's educational history or employment verifications or anything like that, that would alleviate the need for two sets of forms or, or a two-step process. You know, the commission has also come out with the idea of having one background check. And this is something that's actually really interesting. The commission basically suggests that if you run one background check, you can segregate the information and hold it back from the hiring managers, but I don't know about you. I'm concerned about that. I mean, if if I'm relying on the background check that has criminal history and then waiting some amount of time, segregating it from the hiring managers, waiting some amount of time, doesn't that information get stale or doesn't that, isn't there some risk that that information isn't going to be completely up to date by the time a hiring manager sees it? And the other thing that troubles me is I don't know. It almost feels like you're proving a negative at some point. If, if this gets called into question, how, how do I prove, Pam, that you didn't know what I knew when I yeah. hired someone? How, the, how do the, I prove that? The provability is very challenging because you're going to have to prove that a decision maker didn't have access to certain information and or it was segregated. And that's going to present its own set of challenges in terms of the staleness or up to dateness of the information. You know, unfortunately, What sometimes will happen is it takes time for employment verifications and education verifications to be completed or for a drug test to be completed or other types of those checks. And so if the criminal history and or you know motor vehicle record history, which, by the way, the commission lumps those two together because there's often criminal history on a motor vehicle record. But if that has been done on day one, for example, and it takes you know, a week or two weeks or longer to go through the process of getting the other information, evaluating the other information, perhaps going through a pre-adverse and adverse action process with that information, and then coming back to the criminal history, that criminal history could have been changed. You know, I think one of the things that is really a challenge here is that the reason we think the policy implications behind this change and the commission's interpretation is 
you know, the argument or the idea that employers were not actually following the Fair Chance Act and were not actually doing the analysis of criminal history and, and were coming up with pretext or excuses or other reasons to disqualify someone not based on the criminal history or purportedly not based on the criminal history when really they were actually using criminal history in making their decisions. And so I think understanding that perspective can give employers some insight into why this is happening. It can also give employers into insight of evaluating what's important, you know, for, for example, for certain regulated institutions like financial institutions or healthcare or certain industries that are regulated, you know, they're going to have to do certain checks, whether it's internal or external. Other industries may decide, you know, what's really important when I'm doing my screening to get someone in the door quickly. It may be less than that, or it may be only the criminal history. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. And certainly employers have been dealing with this since last July and are are seeing sort of the the pain points now that the law has been in effect now for a little bit of time. Well, this has been a really interesting, really fascinating discussion, Pam. It sounds like employers in operating in New York City really have to be very thoughtful going forward, at least in the short term, with how they're conducting their background checks, really reassess their process to make sure that they're staying in compliance with not just the Fair Chance Act, which is complicated enough, but the Federal Fair Credit Reporting Act. Like I said, this has been absolutely fantastic, Pam. Thank you so much for your time. Everyone, it's been great. Thanks very much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, everyone. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of SciFar's Point 2 LNE Nation podcast.